Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with the Danny Miller. How are you doing, Danny? Uh, I'm doing good, man. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Um, so we uh, had a baseball tournament in Michigan over the weekend, and uh, I was telling you that uh, old Coltoni. Uh, blocked a pitch in the dirt. He's a catcher by trade and uh, took it off of his wrist and it got pretty badly bruised and uh, we had to, you know, I had to take him to urgent care to go get his, uh, get x-rays done. And uh, they came back and said that it was fractured. And so, you know, we didn't have, uh, yeah, that was the first game of the tournament. So we didn't get to play, uh, we but he didn't get to play, you know, like the the last two games of the uh, tournament that that his team was in, and um, we came back and uh, we scheduled a orthopedic specialist and uh, came back and said everything looks normal. It's just bruised, and uh, you can resume baseball activities. So he suited up for yesterday's game and uh, made life a heck of a lot happier for. <laughs> You know, for yeah, me. absolutely. Uh, as someone who has had multiple broken wrists and uh, a couple of them, one time was uh, you know, compound fracture. Yay. You know, yeah. Yeah. Not a good feeling looking at your own bone stick out of your body. No. But yeah, uh, you know, some pins and some other things in there, some rods and screws and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, always nice to know that uh, not only are you not going to ruin your baseball season and you're able to go back out there and start, you know, just a day or two later. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is, is that ruins a summer really quickly for, you know, uh, a kid who's, uh, you know, just became a teenager. That it really sucks. So good for him. I'm glad that all worked out. I'm glad he was able to get back out there in the field and, uh, you know, do his thing, man. Uh you know, on my end of things, I was able to finally get to a White Sox game that they won this year. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, you know, not that I've been to a ton. It was my third game of the season, and uh, we went for uh, a very good friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, 50th birthday. And uh, we were there Sunday afternoon, family Sunday, and uh, watched a real good uh game pretty much all the way through and uh you know jake Berger comes through at the end and hits a walk off grand salami so uh you know it was it was good stuff man good times so other than that you know same old same old around here dude you know just doing the old grind at work and uh you know getting ready for uh the uh the heart of the summer here and danny's uh putting on his and i don't know why i'm speaking to the th- in the third person right now yeah. <laughs> but anyway uh getting prepared for the uh the fourth of july bash that i do every year so you know things are uh, things are rolling summer's rolling white socks are starting to heat up so i'm feeling pretty good man you know yeah. when i say heat up uh they haven't exactly been you know on fire but no had they started the season the way they have played the last five weeks we would probably not even be having some of the discussions that we've been having about, you know, are they going to make the playoffs? Are they not going to make the playoffs? Uh, they've been much better to watch. So, yeah, man, I'm in good spirits. 
And, uh, you know, again, your news about uh, the boy playing ball, it puts me in even better spirits. So, yeah. What do you say we get this thing rolling, man? Yeah. So uh, the White Sox have only lost uh, once since we last streamed. Uh, they swept the Tigers and uh, won one against the Yankees yesterday, which uh, Lucas Giolito had, uh, you know, there was no hits going into the seventh. And uh, Andrew Benintendi and Luis Robert decided to not catch a fly ball to uh, left center field uh, with both of them standing within a few feet of it. So the no hitter went away, but they still ended up uh, managing to win three, two. Um, so yeah. we've got that going for us. That was a little tough to watch. I mean, you know, the thing is, is that ball couldn't have been thrown out there any better than it was hit to uh, create that circumstance. But at the same time, when you're talking about, you know, and I'm not saying you, but let's just go back a couple of weeks or even into the first two weeks of the season where people were penciling Luis Robert in for, you know, the center field outfield gold glove this year. I mean, he had made some spectacular plays. And just in the last two weeks, I don't know if it's a focus thing or what, but, you know, I, I wonder if maybe there's a slight touch of that vertigo thing coming back with him. He just seems a little sheepish on some balls out there. Uh, I know he probably they're, they're probably working on their communication a little bit, but it didn't seem like it that day. Uh, you know, we watched him pull off on a hit, uh, you know, similar actually hit ball out into uh, right center, and he he let Eloy get underneath it. He pulled off of it, which you know. We've come to expect him to just jump in front of Eloy on those. But, uh, you know, in that situation, you got to think he's the commander out there. And we know that he's the best outfielder that this team's got. And he can skate from, you know, from from foul line to foul line out there, it seems like sometimes. But, you know, you got to be vocal. And uh, it is what it is. You know, Giolito could have had himself another no-no maybe. But, uh it, 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 it's difficult to watch. You know, we we watched some dog one during the Detroit series on a Javi Baez. It, it probably should have been no more than a double. And you got to know that Javi Baez is going to try to take that extra bag. You know, he might be a strikeout queen sometimes, but uh, when he does rip one out there, he's going to get aggressive on the base path. And Luis just kind of, he just kind of trotted it over there and he picked the ball up and gingerly threw it in. And it was like, what are you doing, dude? And then, the following inning, he dives at one that's, you know, 12 feet out of his reach and lets it go by him. And we've seen that a few games beforehand where he's letting balls get past him on, on diving or sliding plays. Like, bro, what's going on, man? Where'd that gold glove defense go? What do you, I mean, what do you, are you seeing the same things I am? Does it just look like he's kind of lost a little bit of focus? Does he need a benching again? Uh, you know, I've seen that suggested in uh, a couple of places that he might need another uh, little you know hiatus on the bench for a game to uh, refocus himself um, I can't necessarily say that that's a bad idea I mean we saw what it did to him last time um, I personally find it concerning that that is being talked about again as something that needs to happen again yeah, I so agree. in, in such in such a short time period, you know, um, 
Well, like how many times? Like I mean, at this rate, you know, you're talking about once a month where he's going to have to be set for for not doing what he's supposed to be doing. You know, which is not. You know, you're a professional baseball player, man. Like motivation shouldn't really be an issue. You should want to be the best baseball player that you can be. So why are we having this conversation again? And why are we, you know, like, why are you not running out ground balls? Why are you pulling up on on fly balls and, you know, like stuff like that? You know, like, let's, let's get it moving, man. Like, go down in a blaze of glory. Don't go out sheepishly, you know? And, you know, the thing is, is it, it, through all this, since the last benching, uh, you know, the bat has come alive some. Uh, is he absolutely tearing the cover off of it? N- you know, no, but he hasn't been awful. Uh, he's hit a few dangers. Uh, he's been on base quite a bit, but, uh, you know, it, I feel like the bat's been good enough to where you don't want to take him out of the lineup. You don't want to cool him in that situation. But if, if you know, like you're saying, it, it, this is now less than a month apart where we're talking mm-hmm. about sitting him down so that he can regain his focus. Uh, it is definitely, definitely concerning. Uh, you, you would feel like maybe that's something a good stern talking to would uh, maybe get him in the right place. But I would think that they probably gave him a good talking to a couple of times before sitting him down when he dogged it down the first baseline in that game for the first benching. So I don't know, yeah. man, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to watch when you know that this guy is supremely talented. And That's he just the issue. Seems, he seems to take some plays off every now and again. Yeah. I mean, it's like when you look at the, the white Sox stats as a team, and you notice that he's second in OPS, second in slugging, you know, right up there, you know, in the the top third on, you know, in OBP. He's right up there with the average. He leads in home runs, scored, scored the most runs. You know, it, it, it's obvious that the guy's got a lot of talent. It's just what, you know, what what needs to be done you're not sending him back down to the minors to to learn to stop chasing pitches or work on his discipline. So, you know, what do they need to do to get him going? Is my question. Yeah, and I mean, and that's the thing you don't want to you don't want to send this guy away. He is potentially the best player on this in the organization. You know, if he can stay consistent, it's just that there's those lapses in focus where you just wonder. What's going through his mind at those times? And I wish we had an answer for that, but, you know, it's it's something that I wanted to bring up because it needed to be said, you know, I, we're all watching the same thing here and I, we're all going through the same frustrations. And thank God that, you know, those times that we have seen it in the last week or so haven't been the, uh, it hasn't been a defining moment in losing a baseball game, you know, uh, it, it it makes things interesting. Could lead to it, but it hasn't. Could end up leading to it, but it yeah. has not. It hasn't come back to bite them. So, you know, if we're looking for the positives, because I, I don't want to sit here and be negative all the time, especially when the White Sox are winning some baseball games right now. Uh, you know, so it, it hasn't hurt them. And I, you know, I can only hope that he just figures this thing out. Because the Luis Robert that is mashing 
and chasing down everything out there and making the spectacular plays, the guy that I want to see. You know, he's the type of guy that, you know, we talk about last week and the week before about doling out big contracts in this organization. If you're going to give it to somebody that's already in his organization, I think that he's got the most potential to be the first $100 million plus man in the White Sox organization. But, uh, you know, he's going to have to keep it together. He's not just not just get it together. He's got to keep it together and hold it together consistently. Yeah. The, uh, you know, I mean, we, we talk often about how, you know, batting average isn't like the, uh, the be all end all stat and everything, but the guy's got to be hitting more than 260. You know, he's got to be on base more than, you know, 313. Like he, he's just, he, he needs to do more. And like the only thing that's going to solve that issue is, better plate discipline, you know, right. Taking walks and not swinging at literally everything, <laughs> you know, and it's oh, like yeah, what, we, right. what we saw in the WBC in this, in this first, you know, uh, first couple of games where he was swinging at everything and they just threw him. Every single pitch was an outside slider that was dipping out two feet and he was still swinging at it. So it's like, why stop throwing it if, or if, if he's going to swing at it every time, you know? So, right. Yeah, I, I like I'm I'm with you. Like I don't want to, you know. I mean, obviously they're not going to send him down. He's, you know, got the the best offensive stats on the team, and he still plays a a good center field despite you know not playing the Gold Glove center field at the moment. You know, um, and that's the thing because you know he'll, you know, that just going back to that Javi Baez moment that I brought up where you know he let that one kind of just trickle to the wall and made a lazy throw and you know. The following inning, you know, he he does that sliding thing, but then he also chases one down in the left center gap that a lot of guys wouldn't have even gotten to. So he still has, you know, he obviously has that gold glove caliber in him. It's not like he stopped playing gold glove caliber. There's just these moments where there's, you know, mental lapses that seem to come by. Like, I, are you out there picking dandelions? Like, I feel like it's like the little leaguer and it's just, you shove out in right field because he's, you know, got his glove on his, on his head. You know yeah. He's I mean? out there, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> at second base building little, uh, volcanoes out of, uh, the dirt in the infield, right. you know? Um, right. Yeah. I, I, and you know, that was one of the things that people used to say about Avisail Garcia, you know, is that he, they, kind of thought maybe possibly he had uh ADHD or something because you know you watch him in between pitches and the guy's guy looked like his brain was just in outer space he's just looking all around looking at you know looking at people and like waving to people and like just what are you doing out here man like take care of your job first and goof off second you know and right. um it's kind of, kind of the same thing, you know, like where you kind of look out there and like sometimes you see his face and he just kind of looks clueless, you know, and it's like, uh, okay, man, like lock it in, man. <laughs> so we, what we say to the kids on the team, lock it in. Let's go. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to say, go out there and be a professional, but here I am sipping, you know, I'm sitting through our uh, live stream here, ripping heaters like it's my job. So, hey, Dick Allen did it. My professionalism is kind of out the window. Jim Leland did it. Yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's a different time for both of those guys, but you know, different eras. But uh, yeah, let's just go ahead and say that uh, I'm keeping that uh, 
that that uh that style uh alive my that's my style of professionalism or like, um uh, speaking of uh rip and heaters uh the game in new york was canceled today due to air quality they said if you stand outside for the for the for what is like the duration of a baseball game that it's like smoking six cigarettes um so they canceled the game and they're doing a double header double header tomorrow my question is on what planet does the air quality turn around that much in 24 hours and logan hard said uh in our in our in our white Sox daily chat you know having dealt with smoke from forest fires and stuff like that that it takes longer than a day for stuff like that to clear out so and i can speak from experience on that i uh you know when i was in in the navy i was stationed down in uh north florida when in the 90s you know half of florida was on fire and uh you know being in the military we had to you know fly all our jets off the base and, you know, cause they're worried about any kind of damage from, you know, falling ash and those kinds of things. But once that's done, you know, you've got a bunch of people that uh, really are kind of out of a job and they're, you know, our job becomes now protecting our base and then also responding to, uh, you know, civilian calls and, and helping out in the area around there. And I'll be honest with you. There were times during that, and then this lasted probably a month, six weeks, where we were, you know, dealing with these things at, at one point. And uh, there are times when it does get almost, it, it, you almost want to choke, and you're just standing outside doing nothing. You know, you're kind of just breathing this air, and you, it, it smells like you're surrounded by campfire, and you're nowhere even close to fire. Um, the only thing I can say is that. During that time, there were times when the wind changed direction and things kind of clear up. So my only thought is maybe they're hoping that that's the kind of thing that happens that we get a, you know, a southerly flow that kind of pushes everything that's coming across the border from Canada over there. And and I don't know, maybe it clears out, but I'm right there with you guys. I don't know that uh, they're going to be able to get these games in tomorrow. You know, if you can't get one in tonight. What makes you think you could get two in? Yeah, you know, exactly. Twenty four hours later. Yeah, that's that's my thinking. Is like, you know, okay, so maybe one twenty four hours later, but you're going to get in two. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, I am no meteorologist, but I did spend the night at a Holiday Inn Express, and yeah. you know, um, <laughs> it just seems like that's a, a little bit of a reach to me. You know, I don't. Yeah, think I that's think you happen. and about, you know, at least half the white Sox fan base from what i saw on the tweets and the socials and everywhere else that a lot of people are having the same exact thought so we'll see how it goes you know fingers crossed because uh you know one of the other things that was related to that that i saw along with those tweets was that everybody's kind of wanting to play the yankees with aaron judge being out at the moment and if these games get rescheduled for later on in the year uh might be a little bit more challenging having to uh you know especially for pitchers having to go out there and face this guy so <clears throat> well i mean the way <clears throat> pardon me while we wait we hydrate uh the one thing that you could say is that uh their next series against the yankees is the 7th through 9th of august and you can figure that by then Giancarlo Stanton will be back on the IL by that point so at least <laughs> you only have to deal with one of those two so 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I I'm just like saying. Given, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, in White Sox transactional news, um, Hanser Alberto has been DFA'd since we last talked. He has. I don't. I think I speak for both of us when I say I was not expecting that this early. No, I thought there was another name on that roster that might have gotten the old boot, but uh, you know we talked about that, and I kind of agree with you. I did not expect it, not not this early. He was. Uh, we, we talked about this, you know, and, and again, not beat a dead horse, but we talked about this just recently where we thought, you know, this is Pedro's guy. He's the one that uh, Pedro brought in. They had a a rapport between the two of them, and in a lot of history and. It, it it came as a shock to me for sure. Yeah. Well, Hanser, you could say he's all shook up. Uh Elvis is back. And um I see what you did there. Yeah, you like that? Um <laughs> and un- unfortunately, the guy who's batting under 190 uh is being inserted into the lineup. Uh you know, has been inserted into the lineup. Um, with the guy who hit 300 last month is, you know, taking a back seat to Elvis for unknown reasons. Um, this brings me to another subject that I wanted to talk about with you that has been all the rage, uh, all, you know, in the uh, White Sox social media, fan social media. Jake Berger is leading the team in slugging and OPS with a 923 OPS. Um, he can't seem to get on the field. Um, now I know that second base might be a stretch for him. Um, and oh, we saw that footwork. Now that was a while back, but we saw that footwork, and it was uh, it, it left something to be desired. Well, you know, I mean, the footwork for a third baseman and the footwork for a second baseman and a shortstop, you know. Like they're like two completely different things, you know the Absolutely. the the footwork for a second baseman and a and a shortstop, while different, are both way more difficult than first base or third base. Correct. Um. Now, I mean, you could say what you want about uh, you know at first base about uh, you know doing scoops and stuff like that. That stuff is very hard. Uh, but. You know the, the the footwork for over there isn't nearly as as uh, you know a one hundred percent certainty that it needs to be done perfectly. You know when you're at second base, it it takes time to d- develop that kind of um, dexterity over there to be able to do the things that they do. And um, you know, and even if this is something that he'd been working on, let's say in the background somewhere. It's a different ball game when you're talking about doing it in the background and practice and whatever. And we know we got a handful of, you know, innings down uh, in the minors and a handful of innings uh, in spring with that sort of thing. But uh, it's it's just it's a different animal when yeah, you're talking 100%. about doing this during, uh, you know, an actual regular season game against MLB talent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to put this in context, you know, because I am 
coaching a 13U team, uh, my kids' team. And, uh, you know, like the things that we have to stress with the kids that are playing second base and shortstop, um, like just among some of the responsibilities is when you're taking throws at second, when you're taking cutoffs, you know, and that doesn't even, you know, like we're not even talking about like the footwork of doing double plays and the throws that are needed for double plays, you know, whether it be a shovel, whether it be, you know, whether it be a, a quick toss, you know, I mean, like there, there are so many things that are, are feel based at second base that can only be learned through experience and through doing it over and over and over and over again. While he is a professional baseball player, you know, he hasn't played that position ever until now. You know, until like the last year when they had him working on it a little bit, you know, and even then it's still looked at as a secondary position for him. He's still a third baseman, regardless of whether he takes some grounders at second or not. Right. You know, so it's not his natural position. So it's going to take him, you know, years to figure it out. I mean, Hanser, uh, not Hanser, Alberto, uh, Elvis Andrews, who is a phenomenal shortstop or was a phenomenal shortstop, um, you know, at second base, even he finds himself being lost over there every once in a while. You know? Um, and yeah, and that's got to be a much easier transition for him going from short to second than it would be for Jake going from third to second or first to second. Yeah. You know, we've seen Jake Berger take some reps at first base. And like you said, you know, again, the footwork is uh, – you know, there are situations where a first baseman needs to have some footwork, whether the throw is, you know, towards the infield side of the bag or the outfield side of the bag, which foot stays on the bag and which foot goes out for the stretch. Uh, wow. You know, there, you know, the wheel plays and things of that nature and going on, you know, coming in for the bunt. There are some moving parts for a first baseman, but, you know, Jake has uh, shown some. He's shown some potential at the hot corner as, you know, not being terrible at times. He'll make that spectacular play. But again, level of consistency isn't great. Uh, Him making a transition from from third to second is going to be. And that that's I mean, you're asking to got to do a lot. And I've said it on this show before. You know, whether or not folks want to believe it or hear what I'm saying here, because I have had some pushback on this statement. But second base is honestly the position on the field that has the most moving parts, they don't necessarily get the most action per se, but you mentally have to be prepared for more things than any other position on the diamond. So yes, I get that there are going to be those moments where a second baseman doesn't do much in a game because he's not the, the, the hot corner. He's not the shortstop that's going to be, you know, going in the hole constantly because more balls are hit to that side of the field. But he's still the guy taking shut, cutoff throws. Uh, once he takes that cutoff throw, where is he going? Is he going to, you know, to the to the second baseman? Is he throwing a third? Is he throwing the home? Is there a bunt? Is he going to have to come over on the wheel on a bunt, cover first base, make a throw from there? You know, he's kind of. Uh, it, it's just. Like I said, there's just more going on. Oh yeah, hundred percent. They have and to be more. They have to be aware of more than any other infielder on a diamond. 
Yeah, I mean it's and there's things that are that that seem so elementary that when you get on the field are not so simple, you know, like such as lining up for cutoff throws. You know, say you're lining up for a a throw from right field to third base, like getting yourself lined it, lined up and put into the correct position where you can catch the ball, turn and fire it, you know, if the if the throw is perfect, you know, like how it's supposed to work, bang, bang, you know, like that kind of stuff takes lots of practice. And I, you know, I mean, him being a third baseman, you know, he's taken, uh, you know, depending on how the coaching staff runs things, um, he is uh, taking throws from left field for home as a third baseman sometimes, depending on what the coaching staff does. Um, so, I mean, he should have like some you know, being used to doing that a little bit. But I mean, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of moving pieces there. And even when the ball's not hit to the second baseman, he still has places he has to be. Right. Exactly. And until he knows where those places are, it leaves the team in a, in a bad position, you know? And I think the reason that a lot of people are kind of hesitant on taking, you know, what we're talking about here is truth is because they're not always necessarily involved as much as the other guys. It but looks like they're not. They're, they're, <laughs> right. I should say directly involved. But, you know, when you're watching a game on TV, just because he doesn't necessarily ever get the ball in his hands on a particular play does not mean that he is not having to be aware of so many other things that are going on. So, yeah, it's it's not an easy position. I mean, honestly, you could take that line from uh, – uh, Moneyball, when they are talking to uh, Hattieberg about playing first base, and he tells first, first base is easy. Tell him, tell him, Wash, it's extremely difficult. It's extremely difficult, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, that's uh, you know, it, it it is. There's a lot going on there, whether or not it it looks like it all the time. Yep, hundred um, percent. And you know, like especially you know, like when you know you talk about the fact that you've got Elvis Andrus. You know who's, you know him and Romy who are bopping, bopping back and forth, you know at second base, and you know Romy is at a plus one DRS at second base, and Elvis is at a negative three, and this is a guy who's known for having a great glove and for playing shortstop. They move him to second base, and you know like. You know, granted, last year, you know, he has been slowing down, you know, in his age and whatever. But the thing is, is that Elvis has made some some mistakes. That's nothing compared to what Jake Berger's going to do if he's in that same spot. And the thing is, I mean, he's an awesome guy, you know, but mistakes will be made. You know, there are going to be a lot of growing pains. Now, is the offensive output that he's putting up, is that worth putting him at second base and moving Romy or, you know, I personally, I prefer Romy uh, over, over Elvis uh, just because he's, he's faster uh, and he's got a better glove and he's got a better handle on second base than, than Elvis does, which is bizarre to say. And he's been hitting. Yeah. He's been hot with the stick. Which you and I both thought this was going to happen when he finally gets 
consistent playing time day after day after day. And people can say, well, he had this many at-bats last time he was up or that many at-bats last time he was up. It's different. You know, okay, he did, but they were coming in waves. There was there was a lot of time off in between. Now he's out there and he's playing every day. And sure, he started out, he got off to a slow start. But he seems to have made some adjustments. And just in the last couple of weeks, his I won't say he's tearing the cover off the ball. But he raised his batting average by about, uh, I don't know, 65, 80 points, points, I think 80 points. It was almost 100 points at one point. It did kind of dip back a little bit down. Uh, but, you know, he's get, he's got a handful of extra base hits. Yeah, he's hitting he's 220. He's, he's he's raised his points up. nine points higher than he was last last stream that we had. Right. And, and you know, and he's out there and he's stealing some bases and he's making moves. Uh, and like you say, he's probably the best defensive second baseman on the roster it's perplexing why he's getting uh, a seat especially after going back to what we've talked about again i hate to bring up old stuff but you know we talked about this pedro grafal's comments and uh trying to read between the lines on these comments where you know he gets interviewed what happens when elvis comes back well, Romy's got the hot hand and the hot stick right now, so Romy's going to play as long as he stays hot. But if Elvis comes back and he's hot, then he's going to play. How do we know Elvis is going to get hot if Romy continues to be hot? And he has. Why yep. is he getting the seat? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, he's played. Uh, he's played four days of the last. F- uh, uh, he's played. Yeah, he's played every game, but one of them was a uh, a pinch hit sacrifice that ended up winning them the game. Right. You know what I'm saying? I like, so like my thinking here is that you have Gavin sheets as the guy who, when there is a particularly tough pitcher that you don't want Jake Berger to see, you have Gavin sheets do that. And you have Gavin Sheets give Andrew Vaughn his day off on the week. Otherwise, Jake Berger is DH all the time, and Romy is at second base all the time, except for when he's being spelled. So that way you get your bat in the lineup of Jake Berger, and you get plus defense at second base, plus a guy who hit 286 last month, you know, with – I don't know, three home runs and like six doubles and two triples or something like that. Right. You know, I mean, does it until Oscar Colas figures it out, you know, uh, Aloy is looking like he's going to be your starting right fielder right now, you know? Uh, and I can't say that I argue with that mentality. I mean, we've talked about it where we really didn't want to see a whole lot of Aloy in the field, but again, roster construction at the moment says, that's who's going to play every day in right field. So we're talking about these moments where, well, oh, we got all these first basemen and DHs on this team. Well, you know, Aloy is the guy right now. And, you know, he's – what kind of hitting streak is he? Was he on there? He was like uh, 18 games or something, something. 17 yeah. games. Yeah, I mean, he's hitting. I mean, you know, granted, so, you know, he hasn't started hitting for power so much, you know, but uh, well, hey. When you've got a team that's uh, trying to, you know – well, I shouldn't say trying. They are actually starting to win some ball games here. Uh, I'll take 
the uh, parade around the base paths. Obviously, you want to see him hit some some dingers, you know, uh, as the guys on the score would say, you know, a whole lot of dong going out there. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty racy for the radio myself. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, right, right. Anywho, <laughs> you know, it, obviously, like I said, once Oscar Colas figures it out, you know, Eloy's going to be, until he figures it out and he starts finding his power stroke again, because it's not like he's hitting, he's not hitting the baseball, you know, down there in Charlotte. Yeah. But, uh, we know we're waiting for those power numbers to come back. And, you know, obviously his chase rate has got to get a little bit better. And it has. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that, like you said, you, Jake has got to be pretty much your everyday DH at this point. If Aloy is going to play in the field. Yeah. And, you know, Gavin, you know, there are, like you said, there are particular situations where it might be an extremely difficult pitcher and you'd rather see Gavin get that exposure than Jake. Uh, you know, there might be a pitcher who's got some kind of weird splits against, you know, righty lefty. These, you know, Gavin's kind of got that backward split in that department, but, uh, you know, those are those moments when you use Gavin Sheets. Maybe you need to bring in Gavin Sheets in a pinch hit situation later in a game where matchups don't work out. He's still going to get his playing time, right? But Jake's bat is currently the best bat on the team. Well, and you got to have it in the lineup. Yeah. So let's look at this. Okay. So you know, the, the here's the thing that gets me is that yes, Gavin Sheets has seven home runs. Okay, but he's got thirty hits this year. And nine of them are for extra bases. He's only got two doubles. So that means he's got 21 singles. The guy's batting 236 with a 780 OPS. Or, uh, sorry, 730 OPS. Okay. Yeah, not exactly jumping off the page. Exactly. Numbers. So clearly, you know, since they're, since they're platooning him. This platoon does not seem to be working for him because if right. you look at Gavin Sheets' main skill set, it's bat to ball. The guy can hit the baseball. Clearly what the position that he is being put in and that he is being cast as as far as a role for this team, it's not working. The only thing that's working is that he's got seven home runs out of 30 hits. Like, that's the only thing that's working here. You know? So, you know, like, yes, his OPS is, is, is halfway decent for a bench bat, but that's exactly what we're looking at here is a bench bat. Jake Berger, you know, I understand that you're platooning him a little bit and, you know, putting Gavin Sheets in some of these situations that maybe you think that Jake might struggle. But the thing is, is that he's leading the team in OPS. He's... <laughs> Like up, yeah. How do you sit that guy down ever? That's what I'm saying. Is it like what's what sense does this make? And like, I understand that you want Gavin to get like a a decent amount of at bats and whatever, but at this point, you've made the you've made the point to get him some of the bats. You know, there are going to be times where Andrew day off. There are going to be times when that pitching matchup suits him better than you know Jake or anybody else on on the bench. It's he's not going to not play. He's going to get his time, and like you said, maybe it's time to reevaluate the situations that he is playing and hitting in. I would also like to bring up this, this uh, while it is a small percentage of what a baseball player does, 
Um, I want to bring up sprint speed. <laughs> so Gavin Sheets, you know he's slow, right? Twenty twenty yeah. fifth percentile. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Now. That's that's you, you know you you're sitting here laughing about that as, as he's slow. No, because I know where you're going with this. this is why I'm laughing. But please, Elvis Andrus, twenty sixth percentile. Yep. What? Mm-hmm. So his uh, his um, average f- sprint speed right now is twenty six feet a second. Okay. Which I mean doesn't sound slow when when you know like when you're like oh twenty six feet a second nah, that sounds pretty quick, um, and for whatever reason like I can't get uh, oh I know why I know why I'm looking at the wrong tab, uh, Gavin Sheets is twenty six point one feet per second so he is only minimally I mean like he's tied with. Elvis Andrus, right? Yeah, and, and Elvis Andrus is what thirty four going on thirty five now, right about now. I think for is he thirty five now? I he's thirty four. He's thirty four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. I knew he was somewhere in there. Yeah. So. Jake Berger, seventy seventh percentile. Yeah, that guy. You know what? He he hustles down the line, and he's he's beat out some infield hits and prevented uh, a couple of double plays from happening and keeps inning alive like ah, you can, this is where I knew you that's why I'm laughing cuz this is where I thought you were going with all this uh, yeah but yeah you can pick him up and put him down he's not slow right the guys that you know he's he's a little bit you know a little bit round in the middle you know but the guy's an athlete you know um he's, he's not yeah, he's not the the big lumbering guy that Gavin Sheets is, you know. No. I mean, he's six two two thirty, and Gavin is six five two thirty. You would think at that point, right there, just with the extra length that Gavin has, that he would be able to beat Jake in a race. But I guess he just doesn't have the fast twitch muscles going on for him. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, and like, whatever, you know, like, uh, what, what am I going to say? But, uh, Romy Gonzalez, and this is, this, this is where I get very happy. Uh, 95th percentile sprint speed, 29.3 in the top 5% of the league. Yeah. And you can see it. I mean, I, you know, I didn't really need you to tell me that because that dude busts it down the line. Mm-hmm. And max exit velocity, 85th percentile. The guy hits the ball hard, you know? Yeah. And, you know, this is the, you know, this is one of the things that we've been complaining about with the White Sox when it comes to dealing with their prospects in the idea that you know they keep on bringing these guys up and when they stumble playing twice a week everybody talks about them as though they can't play baseball 
Like I've I've defended you give up on him. Yeah, yeah. I've defended Romy so many times when people told me that the kid couldn't play baseball. And it's like now in in the last two weeks of May when he got solid ABs and he was able to get into a rhythm and he even said in an interview that he was pressing because he was only playing a couple times a week. So he was pressing to try and do more than he should. And it was causing him to, you know, his plate discipline disappeared, you know, I mean, which, you know, his plate discipline still, eh, you know, but. Yeah, it has moments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it like it cost him, you know, it cost him pretty big, you know, and uh, I was wrong. He He only raised his average up two points, not nine points, but regardless. Um, but, I mean, you know, I mean, you're seeing that. If he plays consistently, like he can put up decent numbers, and he'll probably, you know, if if he was starting and playing all year long, he probably would hit like twenty home runs. You know, yeah, I won't, I won't disagree with that at all. Uh, you know, and and thank you for uh, you know again doing what you do. Uh, if it wasn't for you, I would be stat reading for you know my minor league stuff but uh you've always uh you, you have you have uh expanded my knowledge of the farm system and i always thought that i was you know a, a good student but i was doing a lot of stat reading and uh article reading scout scouting reports and and you know those types of things and trying to make judgments from there but these are the kinds of moments now where I say, you know, the eye test actually does kind of play a little bit. You ha- you can't just throw the eye test away. No, it's a, it's I a, think it should be the, the deciding factor in a decision made on a guy. Not necessarily. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of folks who are stat heads, including myself, I was guilty of it for a long time. Thought, wow, well, the eye test doesn't mean anything. Yeah, right. And I your eye test might be different than my eye test. We might be seeing different things here. But you know, with him, I have to say the same thing. I've also been defending him uh for a while now because I have caught a lot more of, you know, mostly highlights, obviously. We don't we don't uh particularly uh you know put up low lights for a lot of these guys. Nope. But just being able to see this kid play in some of the highlighted clips that you put up there, I, you know. You go, wait a minute, man. I mean, the kid just seems like he's got the pedigree to be a really good ball player. He's got he's, he's- so much athleticism. Right. And, you know, like the thing is, is 2021, the guy had a, a, a 900 OPS across the entire season with like three months in Birmingham and then two weeks in Charlotte. You don't luck into a 900 OPS in Birmingham. No, I was just going to say, you know, you can maybe expect those kind of numbers in a from a guy that's been a whole season in Charlotte, but wow. I mean, you you got to be putting up some slug to yeah. uh, be able to get a 900 OPS in Birmingham. I don't remember I don't remember what his uh what his OPS in Charlotte was, but I'm pretty sure it was around like 1100 or 1200. And yeah. like that Two was weeks of that. Okay, yeah. Is your OPS a little bit. Yeah. Like the first day that like the first week that he went to Charlotte after getting sent down. I, I want to say that he hit like five home runs in the first week. I mean, clearly. That sounds the, about right, actually. Clearly the guy can play baseball, you know, and absolutely. 
it's like with the White Sox, it happened with Jake Berger before. It happened with Gavin Sheets. It happened with Romy Gonzalez. Happened with Lenny Sosa. Happened with Oscar Colas, where you know they play a couple times in a week and they struggle, or they're put in the starting lineup like Oscar Colas, and he plays four or five times in the first week, and the results don't come immediately. And so he feels that the organization is breathing down his neck. And so he starts pushing and he's not seeing the results that he thinks he should have. So he's pushing, you know, it's, it's like, there's just, it's like, like the same cycle over and over and over again, where they feel that they can't allow these guys to struggle because the rest of the team is struggling. But the problem is, is that when you are basically cutting their legs out from underneath them, they're never going to get any better. They're not going to get comfortable at the major league level, especially like Lenny and Sosa. You know, I mean, it's like you look at his uh, Dan Victor, uh, our very own Dan Victor, uh, posted um, like the first 200 at bats or whatever of Lenny and Sosa in every level. And then the next 200 after that. And every single time, when he gets consistent at bats, all the numbers shoot up and he's hitting 300 with power, you know, lots of extra base hits, high slug. Yet here we are doing the exact same thing, sending him back down to Charlotte where he gets consistent ABs and he starts hitting again. Yeah. And, you know, we've heard a lot of people make those claims, you know, like guys that were up and down last year and, oh, they come up with the, the, the MLB club and they struggle and then they send them back down and within the first week or two, they're, they seem to be getting it back together. And, you know, we saw it with Gavin Sheets where he went down and he came back and he found his stroke again. Well, they're like, oh, he went, Chris he Johnson. went down to Charlotte. Chris Johnson did help him and did kind of, you know, make some adjustments with him. I'll give you that. But the the question is too, was how much of that is, you know, just getting consistent playing time between and I'm not saying Gavin Sheets I'm just talking about you know the guys that go back and forth in general where we're talking about guys who are coming off in a bench role here and getting the shaft because they're not getting the consistent playing time and then they go back down there and they get the consistent playing time and lo and behold there it is and you come back here and they go back into a a part-time player role and oh he he sucks again well no I just You know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you when you start one of every five games. And, you know, like we exactly. And like we've said before, if this season isn't one that, you know, we're going to go out and win 100 games, which obviously is not going to happen. You know, they, they, they've got 100 games left. They just to get to over 85 wins, they have to go like 58 you know, they have to win 58 out of the next 100 just to get the 85 wins. Is that possible? I believe it is if we can find a level of consistency. But my point is, is it's not going to take a 100-win team to win this division. Why are we not giving these young guys all the opportunities that they need to either prove themselves or shoot themselves in the foot? We're relying on 34-year-old, you know, retreads over and over and over, and over again. And over again. 
Yeah. And talking about being contenders. Well, you know what? I'd rather take the 23-year-old kid who's mashing at Charlotte and has been for, you know, two, three seasons throughout the minor leagues and give him an opportunity to get consistent playing time over the guy that we're we're hoping can find a resurgence of his career that goes back to 2016. You know, Elvis Andrews, fantastic defender at shortstop. Or, you know, was. Was, yeah. Slowed down was, range isn't as but good. He is, but. He's, yeah, he's lost a step. He's a bit older. And he hasn't hit the same way that he did back then. I mean, he, we're talking about a guy who has his highest career or his highest single season OPS plus in his career, I believe, is 110. And Something one, like that. And then he's got another one that's like 104 or 105. And every other season outside of that, he's been below average. 100%. He has yep. not hit the 100 mark in OPS plus in his, ter- his entire career, except for those two times, those two seasons. I am so, looking it up you know, what right are we, now. What are we hoping for from this guy? What are we g- trying to get out of him? He's shown you who he is. He's 34 years old and been playing this game for, you know, 13 years. What what they were hoping to get out of him was the 116 OPS plus that he put up they in, got out of him for five weeks last in 181 year? at bats last year for the White Sox. Right. You know, I mean, before that though, I mean, he did have a 104 uh, in um, in 2022 uh, because of the White Sox, and he was a 97 with Oakland, but you know, like his last 100 total OPS plus was in 2017. I mean, he did say, you know, like he did fracture his elbow. Like I get it. And he said that he figured something out last year before he came came to the White Sox and he sorted that out. And, but the problem is, is that if he sorted it out last year, why does he have a 44 OPS plus this year? Right. You know, which is by far the worst of his career. It it is it is he's definitely regressed quite a bit, uh, and again that might have some you know he's he's been kind of dinged up and battling some things here this season too, but he's never been a guy who's a ginormous producer. So if you're banking on him being the guy to tie this whole thing together, why not bank on a guy who has in at least in the minor leagues been a ginormous producer? Yeah. I mean, and, Andrus you know, had. I uh, he's going to be good for. He's going to be good for better than a forty-four OPS plus. Yeah, um, I think. I think right now, Romy is at like a negative point six, and Elvis is at like a negative point four WAR right now. Yeah, WAR wise. Right, and um, but I believe uh, with this latest uh, with this latest run, let me. Bring this up here. Dooby dooby doo. Look at his. Uh, he's got a 69. Nice. Uh, OPS plus. Uh, while Elvis Andrews has a 44. So, I mean, 25 points. Right. And on a hot streak. You guys, that would, I, if, yeah, I'm tripping over my words here, but. Uh, I would guess that that will continue to rise if he gets that consistent playing time, and it would not shock me at all that if he was the everyday starting second baseman, 
you know, obviously given the day off here and there, but it would not shock me if that OPS plus goes not just to the hundred mark, but a, a decent amount over the 100 mark by season's end. He has the power to do that. Right. I think, I think that even if his, uh, like, I think that in 2021, in his uh, stint with Birmingham and Charlotte, that he only hit 265. But he was the first 2020 guy in Birmingham since Aaron Rowand. Right. So, like... That's a lot. Yeah, and Aaron Rowan was a... He was a serviceable center fielder that put up some offensive numbers. There's no reason that, you know, you should be... like. We we talked about this like before the season that I was fine with it, but like the the overjoicing, you know, or rejoicing, sure, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, the rejoicing over Elvis Andrus getting signed, I was just like, all right, well here we go. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Um, on yeah, fr- we we beat on it a long time. Yeah, yeah. For from that nonsense. Um, so I went through today. And I sent you these numbers earlier, but I just wanted to bring it up. Um, the Tim Anderson numbers that I crunched today, uh, yes. and it, like you know, it wasn't like a no no great shakes here, but uh, and it's not like anybody will really be surprised. But I mean, you'll kind of be surprised uh, since Memorial Day last year. TA has a 258 batting average with a 598 OPS with one home run, a 297 OBP, and a 301 slugging. Since Memorial That's Day. Granted, he did get he did get injured, but this also has plenty of time where he was not injured. So you know, like what? I mean, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. What do you do with that? Especially when you don't couple. And I know that we talked about this this uh, last week, and I don't want to beat it into the ground. But right. what do you do with a guy who doesn't play spectacular defense that only hits singles and he can only hit 250? I mean, it's like straight back to like. 1985 there you know you know that's a difficult difficult question to answer because you know if we look back at the last three or four years of tim anderson and you know that that first season where he you know really kind of seemed to put it together the defense came right along with the bat and it improved year over year for three years straight and then he had a little bit of a misstep again last year and it kind of dropped, and, you know, so did the bat. And now here we are this year, and the bat's dropped even more, and the defense has dropped even more. So, you know, like you said, I don't want to get into the, you know, the what-ifs and, and the whatevers of, that are going on in, in Tim's life. We, It's difficult to not think that having the old TA back isn't a possibility at some point. But how long? Do you go on allowing this to happen before you say too, you know, too much is enough? That's what you I'm saying. I mean? like, I, I, it's 
it's difficult. It's it's re- how, how do you take Tim Anderson out of a lineup? You know what I mean? Like Tim and what we've seen. And if you do, you know a large majority of the fan base is going to lose its mind over something Anarchy like Anarchy in the streets. Absolutely. There's going to yep. be, yeah, pitchforks and torches. People will lose their minds if this happens. But the thing is, though, is that <sighs> if you put those numbers in context over a year, I was wrong that he, he did hit a he hit a home run in July last year. So, July last so year. So he's yeah. got one home run over a calendar year. And, you know, I, I want to say that he only had over this calendar year from Memorial Day to Memorial Day, I want to say that he only had like 12, 12 extra base hits in that time. I think he had like uh, eight doubles last year in that time period, and he's got like three this year. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not good. Uh, it's like it's just a very, very bad baseball. And, you know, like, I, like we're even talking like, uh, you know, like I know that he was gone for – like a, four weeks or whatever with that uh, with that knee strain, but I mean we're talking about before that. Before that, he wasn't really hitting all that well either, and it was all singles. You know, right. I mean it's not like much is not like anything has magically changed from last year. I mean, like he didn't get injured until August of last year, right? You know, so. I I had June, July, and the very beginning of August, and I think he was injured in a little bit in May last year as well, which, you know, again, this is another thing that we talked about last week with the fact that he's always injured. Um, He can't stay on the field consistently. Yeah. For sure. And and then you put up those numbers, and then we have an interview with uh, Scott Scott Merkin or whatever, and he's talking about trying to get, you know, like a $250 million contract. Are you out of your mind? Um, Anywho. Yeah, you got to stay on the field to do that, pal. Yeah. Um, So um, I don't know if you saw a tweet that I put out earlier. Um, Justin Gershley got ejected tonight. Oh, that was great. So the, uh, following uh, what ensued later was fantastic. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who haven't seen it on uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, um, a f- ball was hit into the right field corner by um, the opposition, uh, the Gwinnett Stripers, uh, the AAA team for the Braves, uh, hit one into the corner, first base, the umpire at first base calls it foul. They, all three of the, uh, the, the umpires convene in the middle and talk about it. And then they decide that it's a home run, which I don't know what changed between the time that the guy called it foul. And after all three of them got together, but then they call it a three run home run. And I was off, uh, off Jim Bob as well. Um, but Jershley lost his mind and, uh, rightfully so, uh, went bonkers on the, uh, on the umpires and ended up getting launched this coming a day after Nikki Delmonico, the hitting coach for your Birmingham Barons 
uh, got run oh, yesterday. Fantastic! Yeah, for uh, <laughs> yeah for for defending Tyler Nesloni, who had a couple of uh, he he was up three zero in the count. The next pitch was a perfect knee high strike. The next one was at his shoulders, called a strike, and then the next one after that what looked to be a sinker, low and in four inches off four the inches in in, uh, in on the plate. And he got rung up, and Nicky Delmonico started giving him the business from the dugout, and he got thrown out from the dugout. Umpire starts walking away towards third base, and Nicky Delmonico <laughs> comes out of the dugout and chases him across the field. I mean, it, it was almost, you know, Nicky Delmonico ass, so I won't say it was a full sprint, but he was moving. <laughs> yeah. Was all the to catch that guy. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not saying he's Jake Berger out there, but he's oh, not okay. that slow, you know? Now, now we can use Jake Berger as a frame of reference for speed. Which, speed when did you nerd. think that that was going to happen? I uh, sure didn't. I, you know what? I sure didn't. But I'll tell you what. After watch, I mean, especially the last couple of weeks, he's really. I, you know, I, I said it earlier. Watching him beat out some plays, you know, that look like they're going to be double play balls to extend innings. I want to see so much more of that with this White Sox team. That's the kind of thing that we were sold when this rebuild started, where we were talking about we're going to develop, we're going to bring these players along, we're going to, you know, we're going to have all this new technology for them to to feed on and figure out how to, you know, become better ball players and and get more out of their bodies. We've got these biomechanists and all these things. And Jake Berger, of all people, is the one showing you how it's done. The guy who blew out his Achilles <laughs> twice. Um, right. Yeah. It's, the guy who people said was sitting at home eating pizza and playing Fortnite and was never going to come back. He was. Because he was in a bad place. Yeah, he was. Oh, he's in a bad place. You know what? But he persevered. He made his way back. And now everybody and their brother wants nothing more than more Jake Berger. Mm-hmm. I, want more, I want more Berger. Yes. Um yeah, so uh, I think it's a good place to call it for the week. Um, I know you got yeah. a lot of stuff going on. I got some stuff going on. So indeed, um, but it's great chatting with you, man. Yeah, it was. Yeah, have fun with that. By the way, before we uh, sign off, I do want to bring up, and I'm sorry to step on you yet again, as I've been known to do, but uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, I finally had an opportunity to get home in time early enough to catch most of uh another live show of you being a guest on oh the uh, you spent some time with uh beef loaf on the monday night and uh i gotta say it was a great watch live thanks uh appreciate very that very entertaining the two of you uh and a lot of really good information out there that uh you know you and i might talk about a little bit here or you know even behind the scenes amongst ourselves but uh getting the word out on the minor leagues and especially some of the names that uh you know, you guys threw around about, you know, you may not have heard about this guy or you don't hear much about this guy. Really fantastic stuff. I'm really proud of you, man. You did great. Appreciate I, that. Uh, am, I, I'm, I'm really happy to be your co-host. And yeah, I had a... You make, me, you make me look good sometimes. Ah. That's, that's difficult. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a really good time. Um, he's he's good host and good at interviewing, so made it really easy on me, you know, and, you know, like I do... I do watch a ton of minor league baseball, so you know, um, you know. Of course, no, really fantastic stuff there. So if nobody has seen that, 
and you guys are listening to the podcast here, uh, definitely go check out the uh, From the 108 YouTube channel. and uh, The Aju. The Aju, yes. Uh, the Aju was uh, really good this week with Ian uh, being the guest, uh, the guest host. Appreciate that. So, yeah. Guest. Just guest. Not guest host. Guest. I didn't take. Yeah, I didn't no. take over for beef loaf. <laughs> no, no, you're right. I guess. I uh, guess. Inter. Yeah, you were just a guest. Yeah, just a guest. Yeah. Um, stop trying to stop trying to turn it into something it's not. <laughs> um. So, uh, Dan Victor, our uh, boots on the ground in North Carolina, uh, who writes for us and also writes for uh, Prospects 1500. Um. He dropped an article this week um, on the absolutely lovely Noah Schultz. Um, And if you have not seen the tweets uh, about Noah Schultz's first uh, appearance in Kannapolis, go do that because the kid is electric. And it's set the world on fire. It's a, a really good piece as well. That's got some good stuff from uh, JJ Lally, the uh, the scout, and from his um, his pitching coach uh, from when he was in high school and in uh, club ball, and uh, some good information in there. And uh, you know, of course, we would appreciate the uh, the numbers and shares. You know, if uh, if you are willing to do that, um, tell a friend. Tell yeah, a friend. tell a friend. Tell a friend. Uh, so we also have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page. Um, these streams always end up on YouTube after we get done with our streams. So if you are so inclined, uh, go ahead and uh, hop over there. If you uh, need to uh, clip something, so you can call us an idiot later. Um, we'll t- absolutely we'll take it. Um, it. yeah, and uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, and then uh, you can find Dan's article at whitesoxdaily.substack.com. My name is Ian Eskridge for my co host, the Danny Miller. You guys have a good week, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for hanging out, appreciate it. Night. <laughs>